Good evening. Let's um, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you that uh, you are a good God who who teaches us through your word by your spirit. So we just ask for the spirit to do his work now in our hearts and minds as we hear your word proclaimed. In, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever guards their mouth preserves their life. Whoever opens wide their lips comes to ruin. With their mouth, the godless person will destroy their neighbour. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Even from just a few scriptures, uh, from Proverbs, we can see that the nature of the tongue, our words, our speech, uh, are very significant. See, what we see, say in our thoughts and our minds and eventually what, what comes out of our mouth through our tongues really does matter. It really does matter. Because what we say, the very words we speak, have huge consequences. Our words can build up or tear down. We can speak words of life or words of death. The tongue has the power to destroy people's lives. The tongue has the power to destroy our lives. The tongue has the power to point people to God. And the tongue has the power to turn people away from God. And the tongue has the power to reveal who you really are. The way you speak is related to your spiritual condition. Because the tongue only says what the heart tells it to. Jesus says himself, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So James is desperate for us to know and understand that Christians should be marked by careful and controlled speech because we're made to speak words of life. But it's not going to happen by itself, is it? Because the tongue, the tongue's an untamed beast. It's wild, it's dangerous, it's loose. But it must be tamed. It must be tamed. And taming it leads to spiritual maturity. And so it's a non-negotiable for us as Christians. I don't know about you, but um, I wouldn't try taming a wild animal without sussing it out first. You know, I want to know what it does, how it acts, um, how deadly it actually is. You know, all that kind of stuff. I want, to, I want to know what I'm up against. And it's the same with the tongue. We, we need to know what we're up against if we're going to try and tame it. So here's just some of the ways the Bible describes the tongue. Wicked, deceitful, perverse, filthy, corrupt, flattering, slanderous, 
gossiping, blasphemous, foolish, boasting, complaining, cursing, contentious, sensual, and vile. These are just some of the ways the Bible describes the tongue. And as John MacArthur says, no wonder God put the tongue in a cage behind the teeth, walled in by the mouth. See, our tongues are more influential and dangerous than we may think. Now, this is why in verses 1 to 5, James wants us to know how powerful the tongue is. In verses 6 to 8, he wants us to know how perverse our tongues are or can be. In verses uh, 9 to 12, he wants to know how polluted our tongues are. And our tongues are certainly that. Powerful, perverse and polluted. But they must be tamed. They must be trained to speak words of life if we claim that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Saviour and our God. Imagine a, um, a school teacher was teaching their class of little kids that one plus one equals three. Or that the first three letters of the alphabet were F, G and P. You know, their teaching, the words that come from their mouth have led or will lead a whole bunch of people astray, right? And so for the teacher, it's going to bring some serious consequences. Flack from the parents, from the principal and whoever else. The problem here is that the teacher didn't understand their responsibility to their students. And so they'll have to bear the consequences for that. See, teachers have a greater accountability and responsibility before God. It's why James says from verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. To be an official teacher or rabbi in those days was a desirable position to be in. It came with a few um, perks, I guess you could say. You know, teachers were held in, in honour, in higher regard than others. They'd have influence over people. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that could be abused. But even worse, if what they were teaching was inaccurate, you know, and they would lead others astray, especially in regards to teaching the word of God. Just like in Matthew 23, when Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single convert. And when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. See, these guys were teachers. They belonged to a talking profession. And their tongues, their speech, caused uh, judgment to fall upon themselves. But it's not just the official teachers of that day. It seems as though James may have been warning newer Christians who wanted to teach the scriptures, and maybe for, even for the wrong reasons, but didn't understand the weight of the responsibility or the consequences for teaching others. And that consequence, he says, is a stricter judgment before God himself. And I know that there's many of us in this room here who teach in various ways, whether it's from the front or, or kids' own, or in schools, or in the streets, or in our homes, or online, wherever it is, our tongues have the power to bring judgment upon us. 
And the caution about teaching um, is based on this following fact from verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. In case you didn't notice, that's an all-inclusive statement right there. We all stumble. We all stumble. No one can live up to God's standard. Everybody falls short. Everybody stumbles morally. Everybody sins. It's our daily experience. And the easiest way to sin is with our tongues. Think about it. There might be some kind of sin that you'd love to commit, but you can't because of your circumstances or whatever. But the tongue's already, it's always ready to go, isn't it? It's already to say whatever it wants, whenever it wants. And I know from experience that it often does. For me, just thinking through this passage this week, um, having in the back of my mind, it's made me realise how loose my own tongue is. You know, the way I talk to my kids, the way I talk to my wife, the sarcasm I use. You know, this passage has brought conviction after conviction. It's beat me up. But I'm, but I'm glad it has. I'm glad that I've become far more aware of my words. I'm glad that this passage is challenging me and reshaping me because the tongue is powerful. It's got the power to condemn. My tongue and your tongue. All of us will be held accountable for the words we speak, every Facebook post we write, every text message we send, and every email. Jesus says in Matthew 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Your tongue is powerful enough to bring judgment. But it's also powerful enough to bring spiritual maturity. See, the tongue is like a master key to our whole body. It's like, it's like the main switch in a switchboard. James says it this way. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Firstly, The perfection he's talking about here isn't sinless perfection. He's talking about fully developed, uh, a fully developed Christian, spiritually mature, self-controlled in all aspects of life. And his illustrations point to the fact that the tongue is the key for reaching this full development. So like the whole horse is controlled by the bit, the whole, and the whole ship is controlled by the rudder, it's the same with each one of us. If we, get, if we get our speech under control, we can control our whole bodies, according to James. So the tongue is the means to spiritual maturity. The tongue is small, but it's powerful. It's powerful enough to bring condemnation, but it's powerful enough to control our bodies, to make us spiritually mature if we can tame it. 
just this week, excuse me. Just this week at a um, golf club in California, a 20-acre fire um, started, big fire. It took 140 firefighters and three helicopters to control it. Now, this huge fire was started by a tiny spark, right? It was caused from somebody nicking a rock as they swung their golf club to hit the ball. And I reckon if James was the news reporter there that day, he would have said this. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse 5. Because James knows that small things can be very destructive. And this is the next point we need to know about the tongue. It's perverse. That means it's, it's wicked and deceitful. And like the little spark from the golf club, the tongue is destructive. It's a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness, James says. Verse 6. See, God is holy and pure and righteous continually all the time. But our tongues are a world of unrighteousness. Our tongues by nature are antagonistic to God. By nature, our tongues are anti-God. You can see it clearly in Genesis 3.12 when when Adam blames God for his own sin because uh, he gave him the woman. The first sin then, after the fall, was a sin of speech. And it was a sin of speech against God. And it's continued ever since, hasn't it? Again, look at verse 6. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. What we say with our mouths or type with our fingers stains the whole person. Body, mind, spirit, every part of who we are. See, with our words, we defile ourselves. Matthew 15, Jesus says, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Our speech highlights who we are, who we really are. And it reveals the stains on our very souls. Those stains are sin stains. And they make us offensive to God. See, by nature your tongue is at war with the one who made it. Just like Adam in Genesis 3. Have you uh, ever received bad news that just seems to get worse and worse? Or had one of those weeks where it's just problem after problem after problem? Well, James keeps going here in verse 6, and he really wants to make the point, and the news ain't getting much better at this point. He now says the tongue is setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. See, not only is our speech anti-God, not only does it stain our personhood, but it affects the whole course of life. Everything and everyone we influence from birth to death, the whole way through. Other sins and vices might disappear over time, but the tongue uh, remains, the influence of the tongue remains. All our hasty words, untruthful statements... Sly suggestions, harmful gossip, innuendo, impurity of any kind. All of that junk is offensive to God. It stains our whole being being, and it influences others. 
Well, think about how you speak to people, how you, what you're actually communicating to people. We've got to ask ourselves, are our tongues like fire? Are they destructive like a fire? Do we have smoke-filled words that, that leave uh, a filthy, lasting stain on other people's lives? If these things alone weren't enough, James, he keeps going, gets right to the bottom of it here, saying it is set, the tongue that is, is set on fire by hell. According to James, the tongue is not only anti-God, but it is pro-Satan. See, hell is the place of fire. It's the place prepared for Satan and his demons. And the image we're given is that the flames of hell ignite the tongue. The flames of hell can fuel our speech. And if that's the case, our tongue becomes an instrument of Satan. Our tongues can be used to fulfill the purposes of the devil. Polluting, corrupting, destroying relationships. So the tongue is unbelievably dangerous and destructive. Think about, think about the ways it destroys things morally and socially and economically and spiritually. The tongue can wreck your school life, your work life, your home life, your social life. The tongue starts wars between neighbours and, and the tongue starts wars between countries. It's no wonder James describes it as a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And even when there's good intentions behind what we're saying, it's possible to slip up, right? Take, take Peter, for example, in Matthew 16, after Jesus predicted his crucifixion. Peter tried to give his best advice to Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned and said to Peter, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, even when we have good intentions, the tongue is so wild and untamed that it's still essentially against God. I don't know about you, but um, I can think of endless amounts of times when I've just wanted to melt out of existence like the Wicked Witch of the West because of the words I've said. Have you ever felt that? If you haven't, I'll share some of that feeling. Yeah, well, what about the times when there's huge tension in the room or an awkward silence because of what somebody said? You know, maybe it was even you saying it. See, whether we have good and bad intentions, the point is it's so easily done by the tongue because it's perverse. By nature, it's evil to the core right down to the very last taste bud. So I think we, we all get the point here. James has hammered us fairly hard. It's, it's, a, it's a stiff text. We all stumble. We all trip over our tongues because, they, because they're loose. But they must be reined in. Our tongues must simply be tamed before it sets our world on fire. But James says no human being can tame the tongue. And he's right, it can't be tamed by us. But it can be tamed by God. 
In fact, it takes nothing less than, than the work of God in our hearts to even begin to tame the tongue. It's one reason why Jesus left the heavens, so that we could have a new heart which leads to new speech. But not only that, Jesus makes us pro-God and anti-Satan. Jesus makes all those soul stains gone away forever. Having a new life in Christ means that every careless and hurtful word we've ever spoken to anyone is forgiven. It's gone. James says, Your faith must be evidenced by your actions, otherwise your faith is dead. But this can only come from a transformed heart. It takes God living inside of us to tame the tongue. So what that means is turning to God in faith by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and confessing to God that we're sinners in need of forgiveness. This is where taming the tongue begins. And that's only the start of the journey because verses 9 to 12 show us how polluted the tongue actually is. From verse 9... With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. In James's day, the, the king or emperor would set up his statue in, in, in the realm where he, where he ruled, in the cities where he ruled. Now, if anyone insulted or cursed the statue, they'd be treated as if they cursed the emperor himself to his face because the statue was the image of the emperor. And in the same way, insulting us insulting of a person uh, made in God's image is like insulting God himself. This is the pollution of the tongue. It's the inconsistency of our speech. In other words, to some degree, we're all hypocrites. We'll ponder the, we'll ponder the glories of God and bless him with our words... But then we'll speak or wish evil upon a person made in his own image. We'll use passive-aggressive speech. We'll slightly bend the truth. We'll cut down others with sarcasm. We'll plant seeds of doubt in people's minds about others. We'll boast of ourselves and, and crush others in the process. We'll talk about others behind their backs and we'll boldly curse others to their face. And that's just after spending five minutes on Facebook. And all the while, we're insulting God himself. Everyone bears the image of God. And Jesus died so that those image bearers might have life. Everyone has value and we must treat them as such. As, as believers... According to James, it's absurd that we should speak ill of anyone made in the image of God, especially each other, right, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's absurd like an inconsistent spring that pours out fresh and salty water or like a fig tree that grows olives. It's like getting coke out of a cow. It's just not right. James says it very clearly. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And they shouldn't. We must aim to bless God and, and, and others with genuine words that flow from a genuine heart. 
Our tongues must confess that, that God is holy and aspire to that holiness. Our tongues must confess our sin speech to God and plead forgiveness. Our tongues must call upon him day by day and hour by hour for the strength to speak words of life to others, to build them up, to encourage one another. And when we fail to tame the tongue, we must return to the cross, knowing that God loves us perfectly as his children. By living this way, we'll become tame. We'll be able to tame our tongues. and We can have control over our whole bodies, which will lead to spiritual maturity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word from James. Um, There's a lot to take in, Father. I pray that you would just reveal to us where the sin in our own lives, so that we can bring it to the cross, so that we can turn to you for forgiveness and cleansing of that sin, Our, our speech, our words, our thoughts. Lord, we just ask that you would would forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Cleanse us of unpure speech and thoughts. That we might lift up each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and reflect that love to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.